0: For a long time there was just a lot of frustration and and shame and and anger because it was more of a why me why is my body like this why do mm-hmm. I have to go through this why is everyone else quote-unquote normal but mm-hmm. me and mm-hmm. um I just want the listeners to understand this is this is how I used to feel. This is, this is um, the space that I used to be in mm-hmm. with my body. And so I really understand if you're in that space, it's no need to be ashamed because considering where I am now and the work that I do now, you can always move into a space of peace.
1: Move away from the shame and feel less alone. Welcome to the PCOS and Food Peace podcast, where you will find companionship and never another diet. Hosted by nutrition experts Julie Duffy Dillon and Kimmy Singh, we want to walk alongside your PCOS journey. There's a comfortable spot at the table waiting just for you. Let's begin. Chapter three,
2: Ivy Felicia on feeling broken and finding comprehensive treatment.
1: Hi, and welcome to the PCOS and Food Peace podcast. I'm Julie Duffy Dillon. And I'm
2: Kimmy Singh. We're so glad that you're here with us. We put together this show with you in mind, and we hope that it brings you the companionship that you're looking for as you navigate your PCOS journey.
1: So Kimmy and I have worked really hard to put this show together, and we want to shine a light on voices often not heard in PCOS circles. You will hear from people like Jess Baker, Danny Adriana, Sophie carter and many others. Every interviewee was asked a series of questions about their PCOS journey. This episode features Ivy Felicia, a wellness coach and body image expert. We will start today how we start every chapter of PCOSN Food Peace with a listener question. We gather these questions on Instagram, through our Facebook community, or email newsletter. Today's question comes from someone that responded to our newsletter. You may be wondering what our newsletter is, and there is a a newsletter that I sound out just about every week that includes more tips and ways to promote Food peace with PCOS and many other conditions. It also connects people with my other podcast called Love Food. And you can join anytime by going to com slash podcast.
2: So Lori asked this question and she said, I have one big question for you. My blood pressure hovers between being elevated and high and my dad takes pills to control his high blood pressure despite him being healthy and moving a lot. There's a history of diabetes in my family and cardiovascular disease. My grandfather died of cardiac arrest. On top of that, PCOS puts me at an even higher risk for cardiovascular disease. Is it possible to mitigate this medical risk without dieting? Some doctors are open to help in every size, but the second they hear about my family history, they go like, yeah, actually, you need to go and watch your diet. So thanks for all the work you do. More people need to hear your voice. Cheers, Lori. Thank you for the kind words, Lori. Yes, definitely. Well, what do you think, Kimmy? Well, I mean, I think this is a really common question, and I'm sure that many of our listeners are kind of wondering the same thing. And, yeah, I mean, I think that when you th- consider a diet. A lot of times we want to respond to our health and we want to try to control it all through what we're eating, especially when we know we're maybe at higher risk for issues that may be related to diet. But I find that the more you try to control it with rigidity, with rigidity, especially with people with PCOS, it kind of bounces back mm-hmm. and it's really harmful.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think even if there's like a big push because of like a health risk or a family history, it doesn't take away the information we have so far about dieting. Like we basically know without a doubt that diets don't work for most people. It's just a matter of time until the weight's regained. Like I think like basically researchers already have decided, okay, diets don't work. Now they're just fighting over how long does it take to regain the weight. And so um and the other part of it too is like the stuff that we blame on being at a higher weight, like high blood pressure, diabetes, like those are things that can be explained by weight cycling or that yo-yo dieting thing or when just when people keep trying to diet, you know, it can actually be part of what's causing those conditions or like leading to them. So um, diets are not going to be the answer for most people. I, and I, I have a feeling too, like, I don't know about Lori, but I know there's a lot of people who maybe in their family. There's some person, aunt Susie, or, you know, somebody in their family who was able to lose weight long term and manage their diabetes that way. But for Mm -hmm. most people, it doesn't promote health long term. Um, I don't know. Do you have anything you
2: want to add to that? Yeah, I mean, I feel like diets are already kind of tempting, you know, when you're living in a culture that's telling you that you have to, you know, lose weight or look a certain way to have value. So there's already that allure. And then if on top of that, you have to worry about, you know, your health, which we're all concerned about, um, it can just be really hard to step away from it. So, mm-hmm. Lori, like, I, there are other options out there but also like try to feel compassion towards yourself as you're feeling that you know desire to diet.
1: Mhm. Yeah, and what about what she said about trying to reach out and advocate for herself with her doctors about not wanting to use diets to treat her conditions but then they you know, are like, well, okay, but then as soon as they bring up the family history, you're like, oh, no, 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 it kind of like freaks them out, and I think yeah. um, that's a really common uh, occurrence, too, and I'm really excited for the listeners to hear our interview with Ivy Felicia because she's someone who talks a lot about this, and and I think about almost every guest that we got a chance to sit down with, Kimmy, I feel like they talked so much about their experiences with healthcare providers and getting that pushback and, and really finding, like, They found health and peace when they were basically like firm with like, no, I'm not going to take that as an answer anymore. I'm not going to take diets or pursuing weight loss as an answer anymore. Um, Mm. So yeah, I'm really excited for them to hear our interview with Ivy Felicia. Yeah, definitely. So we get a chance to hear from Ivy Felicia in just a few minutes. Right now, we're just going to pause for a brief commercial break. This Q&A segment is brought to you by my PCOS and Food Peace Course. My name is Julie and I help women with PCOS to promote health, make peace with food and radically reconnect with their own innate wisdom. I know it's probably been a long time since you felt like you could align with your body. You've been pushed to diet and diet and diet no matter how hard it is. And I have a feeling just like so many people that we interviewed for this podcast that you also were dismissed and told just to try harder even when it hurt. Well, after working with hundreds of women with PCOS, I've come up with a 12 step system that helps people with PCOS move away from diets and finally reconnect with that innate wisdom that they were born with. You were born with it too. I believe that you can do things like intuitive eating, mindful eating, all those non-diet approaches that you probably have heard other people do, you can too with PCOS. It just looks a little bit different at times. And that's what this course is all about. It's not at another diet. Oh my goodness, totally not, because I have been working for the last 20 years to help people move away from them. And so this is something that's different and unique and you won't be able to find anywhere else a little bit about the course. It's self-paced and it's all downloadable. So whether you learn best by video, audio, or just reading, you get access to all those different formats. There's also a workbook involved that helps you dive even deeper and a support community that helps you connect with other people going through those 12 steps. The course also includes bonuses, like a pre-diabetes or diabetes module. So if you are affected by that, you also can experience food peace as well. There's another component to help with advocating for better care, which is oh so important and a really big part of this podcast. So if you're interested in learning more, go to PCOS and foodpeace.com slash podcast. There you can connect with this course. And there's also a course for dietitians. So maybe you work with a dietitian or you are one and you wanna learn how to do this type of system, I have a course for that too. So go to pcos and foodpeace.com slash podcast for all the details. If you decide that the time is right for you to do the course, keep in mind I have a special podcast coupon code. What you do when you go into checkout, it'll ask for a coupon code and just put the word in podcast and you will get 25% off the course. So again, go to PCOSandfoodpeace.com slash podcast and you'll get all the details. And I am so excited for you to check it out. And I really think this is an important step that if the time is right, Is something that can help you to feel more at home in your own skin. And honestly, everyone deserves that today because you are worthy and valuable just as you are. Kimmy and I cannot wait for you to hear this interview with Ivy Felicia. She's the body relationship coach and a certified holistic wellness coach and body image expert. She helps women feel confident in their skin and at peace with their body at any size, shape, or stage of life. Her specialized approach to holistic wellness and self-care teaches women to release external standards of worth by strengthening their internal connection to their body and fortifying love for themselves. Kimmy and I found the interview with Ivy Fully Shed to be moving and just so powerful in our own life. So we cannot wait for you to hear it. It's coming up next following this brief commercial break. This PCOS and Food Peace podcast is being brought to you by Theralogix, the makers of Avocetol, an inositol supplement with a blend of myo-inositol and d-chiro-inositol in the body's optimal ratio of 40 to 1. Inositols are nutrients that help to decrease insulin resistance, promote menstrual regularity, restore ovulation, and balance hormone levels. In convenient powder form, avocetol can be enjoyed in your favorite beverage or smoothie. Available in both a canister and convenient single-serving packets, Avocetol contains 100% pure inositols with no additives. It also is the only inositol supplement that I recommend to my clients with PCOS because it does have that very important 40 to one ratio and is third-party tested. Order online today at Theralogix.com. That's T-H-E-R-A-L-O-G-I-X.com. And during checkout, be sure to use my PRC code 127410 and you will get an exclusive PCOS and Food Peace podcast discount. Also, be sure to listen to the end of this episode where we will give you the opportunity to win a free 90 day supplies of Avocetol. So go to thorologics.com and use the PRC at code 127410. On. Hi Ivy. Hello, Julie, thank you for having me and Kimmy. Hi! (laughs) Thank you for joining us. Tell me how you figured out you have PCOS.
0: I was diagnosed with PCOS in 1997 um, by my uh, OBGYN at the time. Um, And it was interesting because it sort of started as a self-awareness and a self-diagnosis because um, there were of, I was having symptoms of PCOS, and my doctor was trying to treat it in a myriad of ways. And um, I had actually done a paper on PCOS in college, wow. and so <laughs> um, it was sort of like uh, you know, my body was already making this connection with me, right? Because I was doing the paper and um i realized that it was this checklist of all these things that i was experiencing and I told my doctor then, have you ever heard of polycystic ovarian syndrome? And um, then she said, oh, yeah, 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 that's what you have. (laughs) (laughs) Nice to know. (laughs) (laughs) So that was the beginning of a very, very long journey of living with PCOS.
1: (laughs) Well, I'm glad you made that paper on PCOS, because otherwise, how would you know what you were experiencing? Yes. And back then so many physicians had no, I mean, even now
0: a lot of doctors aren't fully aware or don't have a lot of information, but imagine then, um, you know, it was even more rare for a doctor to even know what PCOS was or even how to treat it or assess it or, or anything like that. Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah. So since then, how has your relationship been with healthcare professionals Um, in relation to your PCOS treatment? I
0: try to be cognizant when people ask me this question (laughs) um, (laughs) because I have had a very negative and um, traumatic experience with uh, health professionals and the health field and the wellness field when it comes to PCOS. And so it, it hasn't been easy. It's been really difficult quite often Um, When I went to the doctors, they would focus mainly on my weight because I am a a woman of size. Mm -hmm. And so um, they would zero in on that first and they would ignore all the other things that were going on. And so therefore, I didn't really have comprehensive treatment Um, Mm -hmm. and I wasn't really getting the help that I needed. Um, I've also experienced fat shaming, um, body shaming. From health professionals, um, and in, in, in connection with PCOS, um, I've had weight loss surgery pushed on me. Um, you know, it, it seems like my weight has always been the center of the, of the conversation rather than actually getting down to the root of what PCOS really is and how it manifests in my body. Um, and I, I had my first positive. Um, interaction with a health professional in uh, 2012 when I found a holistic doctor um, who was the first person to treat me as a whole person. And mm-hmm. she was the first person to talk about how PCLS was affecting, um, I'm sorry, how my entire life, my environment, my stress, my sleep, um, the people that were around me, how all of that was sort of impacting how PCOS was manifesting in my body. And Mm -hmm. so she was the first one to say, you know, um, have you tried yoga? How are you sleeping? What's your stress level like? Mm -hmm. And, And to consider all of those things rather than just to look at. So let's talk about how you can lose some weight. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, you said something really important and I never put this word on it before and I'm thankful that you, you worded this way. Cause I'm like, this is exactly what I've been like kind of conceptualizing, but like having that fat phobic kind of environment at the doctor's office kept you from comprehensive treatment. Like um, yeah. <laughs> that's exactly what, cause all they were doing, like you said, was zeroing on the weight. And I feel like that's what Kimmy and I hear from people is that like, that's what, healthcare providers are doing. So they're like missing all these pieces. And so it was what, let's see, uh, 15 years, of, like with this diagnosis before you really got treated as like a whole human. Mm-hmm. That's so sad. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. And it,
0: it's still that way. It hasn't really, I mean, I found that doctor, I had that experience, that led to my intrigue with holistic lifestyle and holistic wellness and all of that from a weight neutral perspective. Um, however, even now if, and when I go to the doctors, I still have the same experience. Um, it's just that now I have the tools, I have the awareness to navigate it and to speak for myself and to advocate for my body. Mm hmm. Yeah.
2: So as you've been learning, like how to advocate for your body in other spaces, um, how did you like tell your loved ones about your PCOS and how do you tell them now? Um,
0: I actually don't remember how I told my parents. So, (laughs) you know, um, at that age, when I got diagnosed, I was 17. And I I remember I didn't, they didn't know right away. I, I feel like they weren't aware of it until years later, because when I was first diagnosed, um, there was a lot of confusion and shame and I felt like something was broken or wrong with me. And so I sort of hid it from other people once the doctor, because the way it was presented to me from um, the physician at the time was you have PCOS, which means you'll probably never be able to have children Mm -hmm. and you will have irregular periods. And so, and that was how it was presented to me. Mm -hmm. And so hearing that in the middle at 17, you know, just sort of out of puberty and like you're at the peak of figuring out womanhood,
2: Mm -hmm. it's like
0: the doctor saying you're not a woman or, you know, you're you're, something's wrong with your body or, and so I just didn't share it because I felt like it was something that I didn't want other people to know Mm -hmm. for a very long time. Um, And so it wasn't until I sort of started Finding peace with it myself, that I was able to tell my family. And with my husband, when we were dating, I told him pretty early on into dating because I felt like it was such um, an important part of my life that he needed to know um, mm-hmm. and he needed to be aware um, so that he could know whether or not it was something that um, he was equipped to be a part of. I can't imagine just like, I I guess like when
2: I got my diagnosis, I was already in a relationship. So Mm. it was something I processed together, but I haven't had to think of like dating and going through the process of telling somebody, Mm -hmm. how did you
0: like prepare yourself or would you be comfortable sharing any more about that? Sure. No problem. Um, actually the biggest help for me was my, my sister. We both have PCOS. Oh. Um, I only have one sister and, um, we both have PCOS and she was already married at the time. And I had the con- when I was dating my husband. And so I had the conversation with her mm-hmm. and, um, I asked her, you know, so what did you do? How did you tell him? She told me, you know, I just came out and told him, this is me, this is is what's going on with my body. Mm -hmm. And she said, you know, if a person loves you, they love all the things that come, come with you. And so I just sat down and had the conversation with him and I said, you know, this is what I have and this is how it manifests in my body so far. These are the experiences that I've had. Um this is how I have to live my life. These are the different adjustments that I have to make. Um, I don't know exactly what this means for, um, I didn't know what it meant for fertility for me because I haven't actually tried to um, procreate. So I couldn't really give him any insight on what that meant for me. And he was very supportive Mm -hmm. right off the bat. And so he actually knew some friends, um, some female friends who, had PCOS and he had heard of it before. So he was already aware it wasn't new to him.
2: Wow, well, that's
1: great. That's mm-hmm. really nice. So let's uh, turn a little bit. And, um, you know, you mentioned that uh, docs were often pushing uh, weight loss or diets and really focusing on your weight. And mm-hmm. uh, for so many people in that who've experienced that, which it seems like I don't know, every person I ever talked to that experiences PCOS has experienced that. Um, it often affects our relationship with food. So how has PCOS affected that with you?
0: Um, Well, at first, I would say that PCOS affected my relationship with my body, which affected my relationship Mm -hmm. with food. Mm -hmm. So um, because of PCOS, I had a lot of shame and anger and frustration. And my goal with my body in the past was to control it. So therefore, that need to control my body showed up in um, disordered eating, excessive dieting, excessive fitness, um, things like that, because I wanted my body to not be what it was, <laughs> very frankly. So it, it showed up as, well, if I eat this way and I, I exercise this way and I do these extreme diets then I can get my body to change, I can get it to be smaller. I can get it to you know behave differently, and I spent um, several years in in dieting and extreme fitness in order to try to gain that control. Mm.
1: I can only appreciate how that would then. Make that relationship just—I don't know. For me, it's like I can't imagine it being healthy. Then you know, it's not Mm -hmm. in a place um, where you're like in tune with what your body needs and Mm -hmm. not trusting it when it's just like I have to control it and fix Mm -hmm. it and make it work. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, That that totally stinks.
0: Yeah, I refer to it as my my years of being at war with my Mm -hmm. body because my choices um, that I was making really were what I see as were violent at the time. I didn't know they were violent choices, but, um, it was sort of me fighting back and forth with my body. I wasn't working in tandem with it. I wasn't coming from a space of compassion. I wasn't trying to understand it. I just wanted it to be different. And a lot of that was because I hadn't accepted my body at that point. I I wasn't Mm -hmm. at that space of acceptance. I wasn't trying to understand it. I was just trying to control it and change it. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah. So I know that you spoke, I mean, you already touched on how PCOS has affected your relationship with your body, but are there any other components that it's affected? Um, Really? Like even, you know, some of the PCOS symptoms aside from
0: size, that's influenced how you relate to your body. Yes. (laughs) So, you know, it shows up differently. That's the one thing about PCOS that makes it so mysterious to me Mm -hmm. is the fact that it just manifests different in in everybody in different ways. Um, But, you know, a lot of the emotional symptoms that that showed up for me um, that also affected my lifestyle. I also have insulin resistance as a result of the PCOS. And so um, that resulted in a lot of highs and lows in my blood sugar, which also caused a lot of highs and lows in my moods and my energy and all of that. And so there was, the best way to describe it is that um, for a long time, there was just a lot of frustration. And, and shame and, and anger because it was more of a why me? Why is my body like this? Why do mm-hmm. I have to go through this? Why is everyone else, quote unquote, normal, but mm-hmm. me? And mm-hmm. um, I just want the listeners to understand this is this is how I used to feel. This is, this is um, the space that I used to be in Mm -hmm. with my body. And so I really understand if you're in that space, um, it's no need to be ashamed because um, considering where I am now and the work that I do now, um, you can always move into a space of peace, but Mm -hmm. um, it definitely was not easy when I was in that space of war.
2: Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Well, so um, sort of on the same note, as you know, like body positivity has this great idea of, you know, finding more peace with who you are. Mm-hmm. So how do you feel like PCOS and other chronic conditions fit into that, knowing that, you know, most people, if they could choose, they would choose not to have those. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, I'm glad you asked me that, Kimmy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you're going to answer. <laughs> I actually was talking to a client that I've been working with for a while now. And we Mm -hmm. were talking the other day because she also lives with a chronic illness. Mm -hmm. And I was saying that I sort of came to this place where after um, finding body peace and body acceptance that I even got to the place where I realized how PCOS sort of helped to make me who I am. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's a very... (laughs) Like That's sort of a a deep thing thing to think about. But what I mean by that is that because of PCOS, I had to learn and understand and be more patient and slow down and um, come to understand my body and to build that relationship with my body. And Mm -hmm. it also helped me to be more compassionate with other human beings who also live with other different types of chronic illnesses or Mm -hmm. um, who are differently abled and and who are in pain and things like that. And so I feel that PCOS sort of helped me in that way. Mm -hmm. Um, It sort of actually helped me connect to my body because I wouldn't be able to thrive if I weren't in a place of really being in compassion with my body. And and without PCOS, I'm not sure if I would have
1: been there. Mm. So oh, like the course. PCOS kind of helped you like align with yeah. your body. That's cool. That's, that's,
2: yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, I, and I could totally relate like as somebody with PCOS, I feel like, yeah, I feel the
1: same way. So Ivy, what do you wish the the world or at least other medical professionals knew about PCOS? Oh, wow.
0: Um <laughs> <laughs> Um, I I think the most important thing that I wish the world knew, um, medical professionals, people who live with it, friends and family allies is that it manifests differently in everyone.
2: Mm -hmm. And
0: so there is no, um, prescription or advice or eating plan or exercise or anything that works across the board for everyone. Mm -hmm. And so whether you live with it or you have a loved one who lives with it, or you're a doctor, um, it actually takes that patience to work with the person or to understand the person and to listen to them and what their experiences are. You can't assume that you automatically know everything that that person is going through or the solutions to all of their challenges, because it's different for all of us.
2: Of course. Yeah. I don't know if this has happened to you, but there are so many times that doctors or even just my friends or somebody will say, oh, well, I know somebody who has PCOS mm-hmm. and they just did X, Y, Z and their body looks like this or that. Mm-hmm. And um, there are just so many differences. I mean, I'm sure right now, if we were to go through our experiences with PCOS, we would find like a million different ways that our bodies
0: surprise us. hmm <laughs> hmm uh-huh. uh-huh. <laughs> And I think that that can also lead to shame, right? Because if I hear your story, Kimmy, and you Mm -hmm. say, well, I did one through 10 and Mm -hmm. now I'm I'm okay. And then Mm -hmm. I try it and I don't get any of the same results. Then Mm -hmm. I start to feel shame about my body and and Mm -hmm. trying to figure out, well, why is my body not responding in the same way? Rather than slowing down and practicing compassion and patience Mm -hmm. and learning what works for, for my body.
2: Yes, exactly. And it makes it so much harder to get help when people are, yeah. When people don't realize how different we all are. Um, well, talking about getting help, would you mind sharing the best and worst advice that you were
0: given for your PCOS? Um, I would say the worst advice would be, um, just take birth control pills. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I feel like I've heard that so many times. Mm-hmm. um we're just gonna put you on a birth- c- uh, birth control pills or we're just going to put you on metformin mm-hmm. and then uh, between the two of those, that should rectify the issue. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I feel like it's such um a shortcut um mm-hmm. and it's not really not only understanding the fact that PCOS is so much more than that, but also it's not respecting and honoring the fact that there are so many symptoms that show up and again, show up in different ways and metformin and birth control aren't the answers to all of them.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. Totally. Totally. Yeah. I think it, it is a an example of how, um, I feel like it's the medical community just kind of sees it as like a fertility thing. And yes. it's, so much more than that. And then I'm, I'm always like, it starts in the hypothalamus, not in the ovaries. So like mm-hmm. it's a really, it's, it, it, it's the whole body that it affects, like every cell of the body. So um, yeah, that's just like you said, like a totally just a Band-Aid. Yeah, mm-hmm.
0: yeah. And, I, and one more thing I would add to that is that I feel like um, society sort of trivializes PCOS and they mm-hmm. sort of like they do with um, PMS.
2: Mm-hmm. Where they
0: feel that women are sort of exaggerating um, or it, it's not as serious of an issue or, you know, that a lot of the things that are going on, people are sort of making it more dramatic than it is yes. um, and not really understanding how, even living with it. I continue to learn how much PCOS, just like you said, Julie, how it affects all of the body. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, and I'm really happy you mentioned that because I feel like for me, I've just noticed that as I share more about my PCOS with people I know, um, who as they learn more, it almost feels like they don't understand or they don't really believe it, and they're just yeah. like, "Oh, okay." And you can just sense the disconnect there. And as you learn more about your PCOS and how it affects so many different things. Um, there's just so much validity to these shared experiences that we have. And it's really frustrating when
1: people dismiss it. Yes.
2: Yes, Mm Yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah. And I think, Kimmy, did you write um, a blog post about, or maybe we just talked about it or something, but about like how like a lot of people experience, um, like, do I even have it? Like, um, oh, yeah. like, is it just in my head? And, um, mm. cause it's kind of this ambiguous and so poorly researched, uh, condition. And, um, what you're teaching me, Ivy, is like, that's the stuff that leads to that shame, you know, because mm-hmm. it's like, I'm not doing it the way it's supposed to. I'm, you know, I'm not even doing us yeah. the way we're supposed to and, and mm-hmm. then hold it on instead of like, oh, well, they just don't know what they're talking about. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. yeah. 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 Absolutely. And like Kimmy was saying about it being dismissive, it's sometimes when you tell people, oh, you know, this is going on with my hair because of PCOS or my skin is like this because of PCOS or my, I'm having these teeth is or gum issues or, and they're, and they're thinking, or they sort of respond with a, you blame everything on your PCOS. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's like, mm-hmm. well, it really does manifest in the body and it mm-hmm. sort of creates this um, domino effect of where, you know, it does affect a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Comprehensive right.
2: than people under think it is.
1: Exactly. Totally does. Well, one thing that um, we're wondering too is: do you did you get any really good advice along the way?
0: I've seen a lot of good advice online um, Mm -hmm. from practitioners who are really taking the time to um, research and understand and and listen to the women um, who live with it. I feel like it's almost conversely to what I said, the bad advice, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I feel like the best advice that I've heard is um, understanding that the the symptoms are the same for every woman and that every woman can have um, different symptoms. And so just because you don't have all of the symptoms doesn't mean you don't have PCOS mm-hmm. um, because a yeah. lot of women will exclude themselves and then they don't get the treatment that they need.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Totally. Yeah. So
1: um, I'm wondering what, what tools do you use to navigate your mental and physical wellness?
0: Um, I am passionate about weight neutral holistic wellness and self-care for me personally I'm I'm really big on self-care is like numero uno for for me it's number (laughs) one Um, just really tuning into my body um, and listening to the signals that are going on and sort of responding Um, definitely uh, being okay with saying no Um, and taking the time to get lots of rest and, and things like that. Because at at one point when I was in that point of war with my body, I felt like I had to sort of keep up with everyone else. And I would get angry if I were experiencing symptoms or pain or, 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 um, PCOS was sort of expressing itself in my body in a certain way. And I would get upset and and feel like it was sort of keeping me from performing in life the way that i wanted to and so i had to get to the place of realizing that this is my body and and being in acceptance and it's okay if i need um extra rest or i need to cut back on my stress level or i need Mm. to um eat a certain way or drink more water or go to more doctor's appointments or Whatever it is that I need, because again, like we said, it shows up differently for everyone, but Mm. it's okay to give myself what I need. And it's also okay to tell the people around me the things that I need.
2: Mm. I think
0: those two things have been the most pivotal in me having um, definitely a different quality of life.
1: Mm-hmm. So something that I know is that Kimmy and I are on board with you about the weight neutral side of all of that. And um, a, a listener, though, may, na- may not really um, know where we're coming from. Mm-hmm. And so why in particular for you is that the weight neutral side of holistic wellness and self-care? Like, why is that an important part of it?
0: Um, well, it sort of goes back to what we mentioned earlier about experiencing shame. Because your body doesn't perform in a certain way. And so I had to learn that when I had a weight central um, lifestyle where everything was based on the scale, you know, how I was eating, how I was exercising, how I was dressing, I was totally obsessed with the scale. And mm-hmm. um, I had to realize that if I wasn't really eating and moving based on what worked for me. I was eating and moving based on what number was or was not showing up on the scale.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: so, um, weight neutrality for me, which just means that I don't focus on the scale. I don't focus on numbers period. So I don't focus on the scale The um, I don't focus on my gene size and, and those types of things or measuring pace or anything. Mm-hmm. I just really focus on, um, how I feel in my body Mm -hmm. and, and whether I'm thriving or not. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and I made that choice because I didn't want to feel ashamed of my body anymore. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I can eat a certain way or move a certain way and I don't know if the scale is moving or whether it's going up or down or not moving at all, Mm -hmm. but I'm just doing what feels good for me and what serves me and what really helps me to thrive and feel alive as a woman.
2: Of course, of course. Um, so, is there anything that you learned about PCOS that surprised you?
0: Hmm. I'm not sure. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, I feel like you've been knowing a lot since even before you were diagnosed. Since you did yeah. that whole report, so I, feel <laughs> I can understand. I can understand why your answer may be no.
0: <laughs> yeah. I would say maybe um, what Julie had referenced earlier about PCOS really not being centered in the ovaries um, Mm -hmm. because of the fact that it's named polycystic Mm ovarian syndrome. Um, I would say that's probably one of the biggest wow moments for me, Um, Mm -hmm. and especially because kind of referring back to what we were talking about with physicians where they focus on fertility and sort of if we can just get your period to regulate or get you to have a period or get you on birth control and those things, um, it it sometimes can be ovarian focused and um, not paying attention to the other ways it shows up in the endocrine system. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Mm Yeah.
1: So I um, want to take a moment to think about the 17-year-old Ivy, because that's the year you were diagnosed, right? Yeah. Correct? And um, think back to her. And what do you wish you could tell yourself at 17 after receiving your PCOS diagnosis?
0: Um, wow, nobody's ever asked me that before. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would just say you're not broken. Um, you're not less than. Mm-hmm. um, you have everything inside of you that you need to make it through this. um don't let other people shame you um it's your body, and you have the right to um to fight for your best life
2: mm-hmm.
0: yeah, that's
1: awesome.
2: That is some great advice yes,
1: um we are so appreciative of your time like you just. You just taught me a lot about your lived experience, and I'm really grateful for it. And if someone is listening and wants to know about your work, I know you do coaching and other things, um, I would love for you to share with us um, the best way for someone to find you.
0: Sure. Um, so they can visit my website, which is me, my com. Um, and you can find me on social media under I am Ivy Felicia.
1: Again, we really appreciate all of that, what you told me. I think it's going to be really powerful for um, those listening right now. And um, yeah, we just really appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the PCOS and Food Peace podcast. Do you want more food peace? Go to PCOS and foodpeace.com slash podcast. For a free download. It's your first three steps toward food peace with PCOS. There you can also enter in a drawing for a free trial of Avocetol. That's a 90-day supply. Again, go to PCOS and podcast. Thank you for listening. The PCOS and Food Peace podcast was created by Julie Duffy Dillon and Kimmy Singh. Audio editor was Toby Lyles from 24 Sound. Show art by Katie Sanders from Pop and Gray. Music was by Tiny Music entitled Super Pop. Show notes were by Laura King. Thank you for listening. We hope this episode empowers you to experience more food peace.